Good evening and welcome to Nox Mente. Tonight's guest is the other half, someone's called the better half of the Friends to Know podcast, Justin Sias. Welcome to the show. Thanks, bud. Welcome, Justin. Justin. The jester. <laughs> Justin the jester. I'll answer to any J name. Oh. Oh. Good to know. How's your day going? So far, so good. The day is still relatively young, so we'll see how the, the night ends up. <laughs> You're in the same state as me, so we still yeah, have light over here. Yeah, it's beautiful. It just got dark here recently. I love, this is the thing I love about the summer is more oh, yeah. light. So Most let's dive right in. Weeks. All right, Justin, I want to know about the things in your early childhood that stick out to you and if they have pop culture references that's great like um, tv shows and cartoons comics uh, even political events anything and um also earliest stuff that may have made it into dreams okay let's see uh so from my adolescence see uh i think probably normal for for my age range, I'm 34 years old. So, uh, you know, Ninja Turtles was it was a big thing. <laughs> um, I, I remember, I remember playing with my He-Man action figures and coloring my He-Man uh, coloring books. But I, I have very few memories of actually watching He-Man. It just wasn't on as much back then. Um, what about She-Man? No, never, never watched. <laughs> but boom, I've, boom. I've I've heard legends. Or is it She-Ra? <laughs> never, I can't remember. I it, was, it was She-Ra. She-Ra, Jerry. I, I thought you were making. No, I wasn't. <laughs> there was She-Hulk too. She there was She-Hulk. That is true. Lots of oh, she prefixed uh, female characters. <laughs> this is this is some Noxmente gold. So, okay, I'm muting yeah, again. Um, I think those are probably the, the earliest ones. Uh, moving forward, I guess, uh, yes, I, I used to watch, uh, we, we didn't have cable. Uh, we just had, you know, the few channels that whatever decided to come in that day. Um, it was usually Fox. So we watched a lot of, you know, stuff on Fox. There was X-Men animated series. Always, a, always a, a classic. Um, as far as political things, I, I want to say probably the biggest one is, uh, Clinton, uh, not having sexual relations with that woman and then having sexual relations with that woman. Yeah. That like was I remember where I was when, when I saw both those, um, you know, like, you know, there, there was a hush silence in the house as everyone gathered around the television to watch the president. And it, 
that. It was a main event. It was. It really was. I was actually, I was staying with my um. It was almost my as, uncle. as big as the OJ shit. Yeah. Yeah, OJ was a big thing back then, too. Um, I, I remember where I was when I was uh, watching the car chase. Um, but yeah, I was actually agreeing my, with you. <laughs> my, my uncles, who's actually my second cousin, a really cool guy, really cool uh, family. I think the first time I met them that I remember, I was at a family reunion. And I started playing with my, my cousins, who are actually like my third cousins or something. And uh, they took me back to their house over across the, the mountains over in Lake Stevens for like three weeks. Like I just like I just met them, you know, They're like, hey, can we steal your kid for a few weeks? Oh, I had a blast. Took me to the zoo over there. And anyway, I'm rambling. You got uh, the special treatment. I did. Yeah. No, and, you know, my I had two cousins, one was older, one was younger. It was kind of right in between. Um, but yeah, that was cool. You know, they, they took me over there and the, anytime they'd come over, sometimes they'd go out of their way to come steal me to go on camping trips and stuff like that. Oh, well, I, that sounds wonderful. No wonder you know, that actually sticks out, though. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I got uh, uh, three brothers and two sisters. So it's not like I was the only kid. You know, I was just the coolest kid. So. Yeah. <laughs> right. But it's a it's a great like kind of hardcore rock loving Thing oh yeah that's pinned back in that that period of time for you it's a good well, symbol one of one of my favorite memories of, of my uncle um he you ever ever been to chelan mm, i don't think so so just just outside of chelan there's chelan falls right and uh it's like five minutes outside it's just down 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 in the gorge down by the columbia more uh away from wait the what's the i think i must i live in that area i guess i'm not familiar with it but Schland i know falls? the falls i know the falls schland falls yeah it's right there next to like a uh, uh, bb bridge and bb park or daroga okay or, yeah. yeah okay i'm glad i put that together thank you <laughs> <laughs> so i was actually i was born in chelan and raised in chelan and manson um but i was living down at the falls at that time with my cousin and my uncle didn't know where they where i lived or where they lived so Land Falls is a pretty small town. So he's like, <laughs> they drove down there, parked on the side of the road, and just started screaming my name. And and they found me. Like I was like two houses over from where from where they started screaming. And they're like, hey, we're here to bring take a camping with us. So that I mean, is awesome. It's kind really, of yeah, that's pretty cool. It's um there's something of like kind of Appalachian Hills about that I like. A little you just, bit. Uh, you know where you just pull I mean, up. Yeah, if if you don't if you can think of Schland Falls, like it's it's tiny. Like I think there's That's like, probably why I didn't know the actual town. Yeah, the falls. Yeah, everyone calls it the falls. Schland Falls, the falls. Um Where did you have religion in your life when you were little? Yes. Um I was uh my father, um when he got out of prison, uh, one of those times, he, well, he found, he found the Lord, you know, Jesus. I mean, if anyone's looking, he's in jail because that's where everyone finds him. So he found the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, in jail. Hold on, I'm writing that down. <laughs> uh, he might go under, under Jesus. I don't know, maybe, but Jesus, oh he found him. Uh, actually, right. funny, my, my father's name actually is Jesus. So. 
anyway, so um, he got out and uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Larry Saints was just kind of one of the main uh, churches in that area in Chelan. And the one of the families there, I'm not going to say I'm just because I don't know, just in case, but uh, took extremely good care of my family. They would always help us out of jams. Um, you know, they'd always made sure that, you know, we, we, you know, we, we had what we needed and, uh, my father, you know, the, 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 uh, patriarch of the family would always make sure my father uh, had work so that he could earn money to, to help provide for us. Um, so we, we, we went to the Mormon church. I was actually baptized in Mormon. Um, and then probably I want to say around 10, the age of 10, um, my mother and father got divorced because, well, my father is a piece of shit. Um, hope I can curse. Uh, so this is all good. Oh, oh, good. So my, so after they got divorced, they were excommunicated from the church, even though my, my father was the piece of shit. My mother had nothing to do with anything besides realizing that she married a, a, a piece of crap. Um, and my father has been in and out. Like I have no idea where he is now. I, I'm, pretty sure he's probably six feet under if i had to guess um i haven't haven't talked to him for two decades or something at least maybe a decade i don't know um but they were excommunicated so they said oh you can still come to the church but you can't be members of the church at least for my mother right and that rubbed me the wrong way like I was pretty that's young, terrible but, uh, that's a mormon thing oh my god so here's the thing right so probably in the last three months i've been entertaining mormons um on their mission uh i don't mind uh talking or debating religion not even so much debating i even told them like look you guys can come in um i'll let you guys practice on me like just consider it practice like don't think i'm going to the church i'm like i have no qualms with with mormons again they're they they've they've always treated my family pretty good especially in those tough times for us um and uh, when I told them, they're like, well, so you used to be Mormon. And I tell them that story. And they're like, well, that's, that's, that's weird. We've never heard of that ever happening to anyone. So I don't know why. Uh, maybe well, the it was seed of doubt. The church. That could have just been the people that, at that church that didn't, didn't like my mom, I guess, even though she's a freaking saint. So I don't know why, but apparently that's not standard procedure. Or that these, the young people going around not door knocking, know that that's standard procedure like yeah. maybe that's an eye-opening moment it's a yeah. seed of doubt it really is um but yeah i mean i remember being pretty young when it happened and my mom wanted us to she, she encouraged us to keep going but i'm like no <laughs> like that's that's some bullshit like i was pretty young but i i realized that that was wasn't right and it was messed up because she did nothing wrong um but yeah, that uh, and when I was young, when I was a little bit older, actually, um, I went to church camp, and I was trying to get in good with this chick, and so I got baptized as a Christian. <laughs> that always is a reason. <laughs> get them when they're horny. I want to say I'm like, like 13 years old. <laughs> and there was this, this girl there, and uh, anyway, so it worked. We started dating. Nothing ever happened because it was church camp. Um, actually, funny story. I hitchhiked out to that church camp. Oh man, um, you had it bad. I got I got really lucky because <laughs> I was picked up right, and uh, I'm not saying I was a cute kid, but I wasn't ugly. And 
and uh, I was picked up, and uh, fortunately, I was dropped off safe and sound. But yeah, I hitched. <laughs> I, I rode the bus out to Inyat, and it's up the Inyat, and it's <laughs> like 10, 10 miles up the Inyat, right? <laughs> That just sounds sorry, but Inia. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. I oh, guess it does goodness. sound pretty bad. Yeah, that's <laughs> a new little town here, Inia, Washington. Um, yeah. Oh my goodness. It's spelled it's spelled E N I A T, right? And everyone says Intiat. That's Inia. Anyway, it does sound dirty when you when you say up the Inia. It, it does. totally does. I hit like <laughs> up the Inia, and I made it. Oh out. my goodness. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we started dating. So and she and her parents were like missionaries, and they moved to Honduras, and we had a breakup. But that's how you get the, the daughter of a missionary, right? And what do you consider yourself now, as far as in terms of religion? Um, curious. I want. I want to. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't set my. Why you're making me laugh so hard tonight, Justin? Uh, I am hilarious. I you know are. Yes. I told you this, but yes. if you ask around, I'm pretty funny. Well, I've been um, on your show. <laughs> um, which is actually no longer friends to know. I don't know if you guys knew this. We've moved on to greener pastures. It's now uh, Cat in the Box. Cat and in the Box podcast. It's exactly kind of, the same. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Except it's, it's a little more focused around uh, remote viewing. Yeah. Um, so and, you guys are a good duo. Totally that thing you stole from me, but it's okay. What? Did <laughs> Jerry, I? But Jerry's that. already open source. He's good. Yeah, I'm all good. Well, okay, well, that's good. Um, yeah, I remember it was, we, we had a, a nap on, it was just snap on just, just a whim. I was like, you know what? Let's try an experiment. <laughs> it's going to be one of those shows. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, let's just try it. Let's have a little homework assignment. And, uh, we, you know, we had a few hits and I was actually pretty, I think I was more skeptical than any. And Adam, like he told me later, he's like, well, yeah, when he first said that, like, I didn't think it would work. Um, or I thought I was like, whatever, we'll try it. But, um, he was a little bit more impressed with the hits and i was more skeptical because i was like well it kind of seems like we're reaching here mm-hmm. but we've had a few of them that I was just like what the like that's crazy like jerry you're in on, on that one that one blew my mind the black diamond um, one oh yeah that one like i have it right here like that one still it was like well that's fucking crazy well and isn't three, it the last oh, one man. we were on too i had a hit we all is, did doesn't it. Yeah. it isn't it like a muscle you guys where the more you do it the better you get that's, or the more relaxed with the process that's what i read you know i i think i probably change my process every time i do it me too <laughs> and it's just it's just just trying to see what works you know yeah yeah um but yeah that one was pretty was pretty crazy that one blew my mind the other one that blew my mind was um i was kind of going the same process as as the one right after the black the black triangle one I was kind of doing the same process, and I wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't feeling it right. And everything I, I kept getting kind of seemed like it might have been something that I was thinking of, you know, just something, random thoughts slipping in there. And right toward the end there, right before my kids started, you know, needing parenting, <laughs> um, <laughs> like I, I started to feel, I started to see that like oil slick type, uh, uh, almost like staticky, and... Um, and you hear in the recording, I was like, and I just see like a like a huge explosion, like a uh uh earth ending explosion, like a meteorite or something. I even said a meteorite. Um and then I opened it up and it was a bunch of dinosaurs. I was like that. That <laughs> uh, was pretty cool. I, I was like and I was saying, I was like, what the hell, man? Yeah, what you guys are doing is really great with that remote viewing exercise. I um 
I tried to join in on the Ren one. I really wanted to do it. And I find every time, what's well, only been twice, I, for whatever reasons, I shelf it. I don't know if it's I've got a fear of failure. I don't know if it's I'm just too busy. But I always want to do it, and then then I seem to back I, out. I've done the exact same thing twice with him. I, don't, I want to do it. It's just like, oh, I have 30 days to do it. And it's like... I, I think that's the like problem, a, Jerry, is like, it gives us all this time. Yeah, we need like three days. It's done. Yeah, it's, get it done. done, bitch. Yep. <laughs> Snap that whip. All right, so back to your childhood, though. Did you have... Um, so I think I, I, I know the area you grew up in, but for the wider yeah. audience, what was your relationship like with the natural world? Um, well, yeah, so I was born in Lake Chelan, Washington, and grew up in Chelan and Manson. Manson is a town about seven miles uh, up the lake from Chelan. Um, it's one of those, like, the closest town type things, so there's a bunch of rivalry, not necessarily, like, uh, legitimately hate each other, more of, you know, uh trojan or yeah but manson trojans versus the schlan mountain goats you know like the high school rivalry there's always that going on um but i'm i'm on a beautiful lake i was born and raised on on, on lake schlan it's the uh third clearest lake in the in the continental united states last i checked now uh, the longest lake in washington state the deepest and there's a lot of lore and legend that goes with the lake as well. Um, there's a few tribes uh, that originate the Schland tribes. Um, and they, they have a lot of uh, legends about the lake, about um, monsters in the lake, or specifically <laughs> one, one monster in the lake. And uh, growing up, I was able to, to track those down in certain books as well. So it was cool to not just, you know, oh, that's not just something I hear. Yeah. Um, Actually, another story that I always assumed was local lore that turned out to be true was of a school bus that crashed into the lake and it killed like 13 of the 17 people on board, including the kids. Oh, wow. And um, as a kid, you know, you hear this growing up and you just get terrified of this big black body of water that's you know, the main center. I mean, like your whole town's around this lake and, uh, well, not, it doesn't surround the lake, but you know, it's on the, on the tip right before the dam, it it goes into the Columbia. Um, and you always think like, Oh, you know, that's just something the, the adults say to keep us away from the water. You know I mean? That's a age old tactic that many cultures use. Well, I got, I got older and you know, the internet became a thing. (laughs) I decided to look it up. And it's fucking real. Like that actually happened. It didn't happen where it happened in my mind. In my mind, it happened like off the bridge because that's the scariest place. No, it happened. Um, it happened up on uh, over. Well, you guys probably know where it is, but it was like a a, a shitty road, and they're picking up kids. And yeah, it, like happened in December, and there's snow. It was a snowstorm, and yeah, it was pretty bad. And what yeah, year? Uh, I want to say it was like the early twenties. Okay, yeah, it's trying to get a feel for a period. Okay. I could probably find a link for you guys. Um, but yeah, they called in to look for the to look for it. And and I think the the way the, the legend went was like they never found the bus. And it's still down there today. And now I'm trying to think. I think in the article it says that they were able to pull the bus out. Interesting. I, they you know, I can't remember, I have to look it up. It it was either they were able to pull it up 
or as soon as they as soon as they saw it it teetered off the edge and then just like like drop into the abyss because it's a it's a deep lake um so with the lore around it that you grew up so are the the kid the people who died are they like haunting the lake or something it was never explicitly said but it doesn't have to be there was a bus full of kids that died in the lake yeah 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 and it's at night you know it gets dark your mind wanders and your mind you know yeah it doesn't have to be said it's just kind of implied that did you have when it says they don't have to or they've never been found you know, did you have a deep imagination at this oh, point in your life? Oh yeah. Um, at this point, um, I had already experienced what I thought was paranormal activity. Um, even though now I'm more skeptical of what I've actually experienced. Um, the only reason why I think I hold on to it is because when it was happening, I remember telling myself, "Don't, don't, don't forget this, Justin. Like you know." Like you saw what you saw. Like don't let anyone ever try to convince you, because up until that point, it was kind of like always up in the air. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, they're just trying to mess with you. Ghosts aren't real. And then after that happened, it was like you know, don't let anyone try to convince you. Otherwise, you know the truth. No one else might know, but you know. And so maybe it's just part of me trying to be true to the the ten year old me. <laughs> you know, I, I think I was ten, yeah, about ten ish, maybe maybe a little bit younger, but. I want to stay true. I made myself promise never to forget it or that not anyone convinced myself. That's awesome. Otherwise, yeah. Did you have a heavy dream life at this point when you were young? I do have some pretty, I, I remember a few dreams from that, that time. Uh, one in particular, it's more of a recurring nightmare. And, and this, this, this is going to be a little out there. So just try to stay with me. Okay. We love out there. This is one of those little dreams that kind of, you have to make a lot of connections that only the person who dreams it, you know, makes. Um, so when I was a little bit younger than right about the time these dreams started occurring, um, I was living up in Union Valley. Do you know where that is? Not off the top of my head. So it, it's about, I think like 10 miles outside of Chelan. Um, and where we were living, it was, let's see if I can explain this. It was my father's boss's, property that was still kind of being constructed and so like the walls necessarily weren't there and uh i remember seeing the framework i don't remember the place that detail but i remember seeing the framework and like you know plastic draping over as makeshift walls um because the walls weren't put up yet and um and i remember the his boss our landlord like had had a son i don't remember his son too well but anyway, so as the dream goes, one one night, whatever it was, I had this dream. And I haven't thought about this forever. I had this dream where the son of our landlord took the head of, he stole someone else's head to put it on. And like the cops were after him. And I know there's a helicopter involved. I think like, it's, it's, I'm trying to recall how it was. But anyway, so he, when he put this head on, he became this this monster, and it was like a normal body, but like the the head was just blown out of proportion, not like a human shaped head like it was a monster head um I could probably sketch it out, but anyway, this figure would pop up in my dreams all the time for a good three to five years, I'd say, and 
I, I always remember knowing when it was going to be one of those dreams. Like just the sense and the whole mood and the tone of the dream was just, it was like from the get go. And then, so most of the rest of the dream was just waiting for this guy to pop up. And um, I think I would sometimes hallucinate. He was actually there in, in my waking life. Um, so anytime I hear other stories about people uh, like, well, I was in bed and then I said, well, okay, that's a red flag. You were in bed. Right. That's always a red flag for me because were you sleeping? Were you almost asleep? All these different factors that could lead to the explanation of what you think happened. And but I'm I'm pretty sure there's a few times that I hallucinated this this uh thing um peeking out at me. Uh when I used to stay the night at my grandmother's house, I was sleeping in the living room and uh, I always sleep. I'd sleep on the ground if there wasn't if the, the beds were taken, and where I slept, like if I just like turned my head to the like the left or the right, depending on how I was orientated, oriented, and like down then it'd be the bathroom, and like I swear there was like two or three times like I saw this like I saw this like huge monster head just peeking out and just like staring and just just this fucking grin, and like again a huge head. And so this grin was fucking way huge. Um, really freaky shit. Anyway, it's creepy. So it, it is creepy. What makes you think that you possibly hallucinated it, though? Um, because at the time, I swear I could have seen it. Oh, what, what, what makes you think that I think I was hallucinating and didn't actually see it? Yeah, that it was oh. not actually. Well, trust me. At the time, at the time, I absolutely thought I saw it. Yeah. Um, but now just. Um, being older and having the interest in, in the 14 or the fringe that I do and the research that I've done. And um, again, red flags when it comes to people just being in bed. Um, right. I, I understand that you can be in the hypnagogic state right exactly. there. And but where do you draw the line? A lot of paranormal experiences and whatnot happen in a different and, and altered state of consciousness. I absolutely mm -hmm. agree with you there. Um, so, you know, where do you draw the line? What, where do you make that distinction that it was not or is? Well, if you know, if you notice what I said was, I know, I'm, I think I hallucinated. Right, right. I'm I was pretty sure I hallucinated. I wasn't well, trying I to pin you down. I just really was. It's too late. You pinned me. I was oh. uh, reinforcing your Jerry. comment. <laughs> Classic Jerry. Totally Jerry. Dear Diary, you'll never believe what Jerry did again to me. <laughs> It's <laughs> the eight eighty thousand pages. It's like the tax code. Um, we love you, Jerry. You know that. That's true. So, uh, but the thing is, a thing that hits me with that story is it's classic in the fact that your younger self had the experience. The experience was valid. Your younger self bought into it and believed it. And mm -hmm. your older self, the further away we get from wherever we came from, um, justifies that it was probably not real and then moves into that territory somehow to either sound logical to be logical to not walk that boundary of it was actually real and um because that's unsettling for people that questions sanity a lot in our Absolutely. culture yeah. um so i find that intriguing what's and on top of that what's intriguing is that this was reoccurring yeah how often yeah. did it reoccur and over what period of time 
I, again, I want to say for, for the next three to five years after the, after the initial nightmare. Um, and I, it would happen uh, well, less frequently toward the end of, of that period. But um, for the first part, it, it happened, I want to say at least weekly, but I want to even say almost nightly. Oh, wow. For, for a long time. Um, and and just just to, just to go back on that, you know, it was real. So for all intents and purposes, it was real for me. Yeah, back it, then. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, and, and getting older and, and doing research and looking into it and, and other types of stories like it. I mean, that that's what knowledge is, you know, and knowledge is power. And, and it's not necessarily um, denouncing or, or saying that it didn't happen. Because, again, I'm in order to be open minded, you have to accept all possibilities. Um, so there is a small percentage that. Yeah, you know, not to I mean, agree. I agree. Not to mention, there's no way you can prove it's real. I, I, exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, at least not yet. And, and that's one of the things when. Not necessarily trying to prove to everyone else that it's real, but it's more of a, of a personal quest to prove to yourself at least in my, in my case, um, that I, I strive to be more skeptical when it comes to especially my own personal experiences, but other things that I hear, not that I shut people down and say, no, this is probably what happened. This is what happened to you. This, there's this, and there's this. Yeah, yeah. It's more of a, well, I believe that you believe what you're saying, but if we, if we think of it as a, um, an experiment in logic and logical thinking, then, you know, what's the more likely explanation? And I have to do that because I don't want to go all in on something and lead myself down this wrong path. Well, oh, interesting that you say wrong. But what, so towards the end of when this reoccurring rather ominous figure was showing up, was it, and it's dissipating away from your life and your experience, in that period, were you telling yourself then? Were you questioning whether it was real or not at that point? Or why do you think that it finally faded away? Well, okay. So toward the end then when it was finally fading away, um, I, I think I had come to, um, I don't want to say the realization, because again, in order to be truly open-minded, you have to consider all possibilities. But at least at that point in my life, I was convinced that it was nothing more than a nightmare. and uh, I. I explicitly remember thinking that I hope I don't have that nightmare again. Not that I hope that that entity shows itself again, but that that nightmare doesn't come back or that okay. I'm not having that nightmare more. Mm-hmm. more. Not that mm-hmm. I'm not having that visitation. You know, yeah. I made a distinction. I remember having that distinction between the two. Yeah. Because, uh, I remember when I first started having it, I didn't want him to show up. Mm-hmm. Or the end, I just didn't want it to happen. So I mean, there's definitely a distinction there. So I think that it was just a, a natural progression from uh, maybe just getting older and yeah. learning about you know um, perceived realities and and what because we perceive you know dreams not to be real and therefore it's just a nightmare. It can't hurt you, so on and so forth. At least at least at that age. Yeah. So. Now I'm a little bit more open-minded. I when, think about it every now and then, the details, maybe not so much, but I mean, I can still very clearly remember 
that son of a bitch's face. Like <laughs> <So, laughs> it was. And how old were you when you last experienced it? And where, whereabouts, you know, ballpark? Sorry, yeah, uh, you're real by it out there. Oh, dang. How old were you around the last time it showed up? Um, well, I think, okay, I'm pretty sure I, I started having those probably between, I want to say like around eight years old. And I had them recurring for three to five years. So uh, between um, 12 to well, 10, 11, 11 to 13, we'll say 11 to 13. Okay. Roughly um, ish. Did you at that time? So it sounds like you, when I asked you about early dreams, you immediately, you know, came right up with, mm -hmm. I had a lot. So you were a prolific dreamer. It sounds uh, like. Yeah, I, I, I do have that, that one above all else sticks out to me because of, because of how often it, it had happened for that, that period of time. And and, how and much it's strangeness. It's that, creepy. Oh, yeah, it is weird. And I rem I remember toward the end there, I hadn't had one for a long time, and and then I I had I had one of it, and I remember like the creatures like you thought it was over, didn't you? Oh, and, you know, yeah. Oh man, it's got jokes. Um, kind of. I mean, it was it was definitely more <laughs> ominous in the way it said it, but basically, in the in, that's the gist of yeah, it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Haha, ha, thought it was over. Oh, Turns man. out I'm still here. So Oof, that's yeah. that's very interesting, especially considering the um hypnagogic aspect that it was in between. Yeah. So often. Um, so in general, how do you dream? And so I guess you can speak from contemporary, like where you are now with how your dreaming experience is. Um so now it's it's almost hard for me to remember most of my dreams. And I think that's mostly because of my sleep schedule that I have now. I wake up and I get ready to go to work within 15 to 20 minutes. And then I'm at work. I usually don't have a lot of time to to linger on my dreams. There are occasions where I'll remember something that happened later during the day. Just one of those like triggers where you know you might see something happening in your dream that involves a, a red cup and then at work you see a red cup you're like oh wait a minute <laughs> and then you get that flashback um, see, Adam you, was actually you could get up phone. earlier though you know oh yeah i could um that would involve me going to bed earlier oh, and as of now never mind <laughs> well i mean yeah i try to get at least six hours of sleep yeah me too um and yeah so if i got up any earlier uh I wouldn't, I wouldn't get that. Um, and most of it's just, I mean, I get about three, just less than three hours to myself or a day not working. And that's, yeah, that's family time. That's making sure homework's done. That's cooking dinner. If my wife's not working. Yeah. Oh yeah. You're in all of that, that phase. Yeah, I get about five minutes to cry myself to sleep before I go to bed. That's my personal time. So <laughs> do you, so in in this in this era for you mm -hmm. in in the dreams that you do recall is there does the tail the scale tip in either direction as far as um hardcore dreams and what i mean by that is like tension dreams 
stress dreams, nightmares, night terrors, as opposed to um, kind of the average dream that could be dealing with your daily life or other stuff that's kind of non. I would say that it's it's actually probably equally balanced. You know, I have my fair share of nightmares um, about various, various things. Um, I have my fair share of work dreams, which nothing pisses me off more. Yeah. Then when I go to sleep and I work for six hours in my sleep and then I wake up and I go to work. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. When I wake up from a work dream, I'm legitimately pissed off for the rest of the day. Yeah. I just wasted <laughs> all that. And it's, oh, it's so annoying. Like nothing makes me angrier than going to bed and dreaming about work. Um, and then I have my normal dreams that, you know, fade in and out, you know, family life, um, things that are coming up. Uh, I wouldn't say it leans any particular way right now. Every now and then, I might have a, a, a precog dream. Yeah, I was um, going to get into those with you. Uh, anytime I've had them, and I got some memorable ones, like when, especially like when I was younger, um, they're, they're so minute and, and make zero difference whether or not I knew that something was going to happen or not. Um, that it's just like, it's, it's very like, well, yeah, you knew you were going to see that, but so what? <laughs> like, uh, for example, I, I remember being younger and having a dream of seeing a hydroplane um, that was like sanded down, like it was going in for repair on the back of a trailer, and it was going in the opposite direction than the vehicle I was traveling in. I was in the back seat, and uh, I just remember like turning around and seeing this hydroplane, and that was the dream. Um. Flash forward to whenever, you know, shortly after I'd, you know, I'd say probably within a week or two. And I was driving in the backseat of the car. It was a night, just like the dream. And I just knew, like, I, I, I knew to turn around and I would see this hydroplane there. And fuck, sure as shit, I turned around and the exact same hydroplane that I saw in my dream, sanded down, like gray blackish, driving in the opposite direction, on, you know, tilted up on its trailer, just like in my dream. And I wanted to be like, you guys, I knew that was going to happen. And it was like, who cares? Like, good job. You, you knew there was a hydroplane driving by at this time. Like, so nothing like serious, like nothing life shattering or nothing that's going to help me out. Like win the lottery or change. No, they life. do. They do seem to be more mundane, but they're yeah. interesting and they bring oh, in a yeah. lot of questions. Uh, what, so do they, when you recognize that you're having a pre, you know, something going on in front of you you dreamed mm -hmm. is there ever that phenomena of deja vu around it or is it, it more it, clear it always includes deja vu okay good yeah, that's how i know because yeah you get that feeling that wait a minute i know this feeling i know this place i know this point in time and then you I pinpoint it to happen. the dream yeah exactly yeah um usually it's sometimes uh it, it's like i know that like for in that case i knew if i turned around i would see this hydroplane and other times you get this feeling of deja vu and you like a split second before it happens you know whatever like wait a minute i do this and this and then you look over like and this is going to fall as you look over you see something fall like as it as you think it you know yeah yes do you so in the um on the reverse side so when you're dreaming and a dream seems like it's going to be more significant and kind of stick with you it, 
is there a feeling to that? Is there a feeling to those that where the symbols are really, the dream seems really strong. And even though sometimes you may wake up and it goes away, but that mm-hmm. feeling of being in the dream where it seems really, and I'm not trying to put this into like anywhere in like the uh, lucid awake aspect, just that feeling of, wow, this is an intense dream. Um. Yes. And, and unfortunately the ones that, that, um, I know I, cause I know that feeling and I know I've had those experiences whilst dreaming, but the dreams don't stick around. Maybe if I thought about it, I could, I could think of some, it's not off the top of my head, but I know I've had that feeling before where while dreaming and not necessarily lucidity, but being aware that, you know, this is a crazy dream or this is an important dream or this is an impactful dream. Um, I I know that feeling that you that you're describing. Yeah, yeah, and it doesn't. I can have those, and I don't have to at all have any kind of lucidity. It's usually yeah. when I'm coming, or like maybe towards the whatever intensity is happening. I'm like, oh, this is intense. Might bring me into more awareness, but it doesn't have to be there. When you um, so I'm curious about. I'm becoming more curious about, especially animals and dreams so do you have you ever had your pets show up have you experienced any um significant or even in the periphery i guess where animals are showing up in your dream just anywhere you know i'm sure i have but nothing sticks out uh yeah, I wish I would have done this homework. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's all right. It's good. It might come to you later too. That sometimes yeah. happens. Yeah, no, nothing off the top of my head. Um, but now that I'm thinking about it, I feel like there's something back there. But <laughs> yeah, no, nothing off the top of my head, unfortunately. I started. Um, I dream. I dream with Matilde all the time. One of my little dogs I've had forever. And um, I mean, it's, we're very conscious. I, I look down and she's always there and there's a, um, it's, and she's not a lucidity um, ping for me. She, it's just like, Oh, you're here. And then, so we have, we dream a lot, which is more than I've done with any of my other animals. And it's, it's consistent. It's almost always. And um, it's got me thinking about that, in the world with others i'm wondering now about how you experience states of consciousness within your dream so from and so i'm saying it like that because there's so many different ways of speaking about this so many people have a different idea of what astral projection is as opposed to lucidity and and for me i think it's just all levels of lucidity but tell me about your experiences with being awake within the dreaming experience. It, it's been a long time, and listening to the Gray America show and Graham um, getting into lucid dreaming, I have wanted to try to do it because when I was younger, I remember quite a few lucid dreams, being realizing that you know I'm in this dream, and that it is a dream. Um, I guess a few notable ones would be. The first time that I remember lucid dreaming, uh, or at least the first time, the dream dream that I remember being lucid, um, I knew that, I mean, I've had them before, but I don't remember what they were. Um, But I I was a young kid, hormonal, and uh, 
I remember going, you know, next time telling myself next time I have this dream where I know it's a dream because back then I didn't know it was called lucid dreaming. You know, next time I have this dream that I know I'm dreaming, I'm like, I'm going to get, I'm going to get some action. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to get a little something. And, um, at this time, I love the motivation, right? Right. <laughs> I think that's very relatable. To oh yeah. Our listening audience. Uh, oh yeah. You know? <laughs> to me for sure. So the thing is though, is that I didn't know what a little something, something looked like. And I think that was my issue because oh my I, I remember being lucid, right? And I remember going, hey, you know, I, I'm in control of this dream. And I remember kind of saying to the world around me, I'm like, look, I know I'm dreaming. And this is what I want. I want to see whoever, like it was some girl from my class, right? That I had a crush on. I was like, I want to see her naked. And, and she would just appear fully clothed. And I'm like, no. I want to see her naked and <laughs> nothing would happen because I think I, I just didn't know how to manifest what that would look like. Yeah. Oh um, my God. That's so funny. So it was, it was times very... we heard that though. <laughs> I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what it looked like, so I couldn't do it. it you better be it glad you didn't meet up with very me. Very frustrating for a young hormonal me. Yeah. Um, and and the other times, um, because after that time it was a failed attempt. I never tried again when I became lucid, mm-hmm. whether or not because I gave up or because I just forgot to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, all the other times I became lucid, I focused on flying. Mm-hmm. And um, when you do fly, how is that experience for you? How do you do it? Like the the nuts and bolts of it. So, um, I remember one time uh like i knew i was lucid i knew i was dreaming but i was having the hardest time taking flight like actually flying mm-hmm. um because previously when i had tried it it was as simple as as running and jumping and and floating and gliding and then being airborne um this other time or the time in, in question i remember um almost repeating a mantra to myself in the dream like like, it's okay, you're dreaming, you're going to take flight, you know, or, you know, something like you're going to fly, you're going to fly, you're going to fly, whatever it was. And I just remember running, jumping and falling to the ground. And I was remember getting very aggravated and frustrated because I know I was dreaming. I know I'm in control, but I can't get off the ground. Finally, the flight that I, I was uh, finally able to, to, to float really mm-hmm. was like three feet off the ground as high as I could go. Couldn't get mm-hmm. Any any higher up, um, but besides that, really frustrating time. All the other times were very exhilarating, and you know everything you you think if you had the ability to fly as a little kid, you know. But how how are you doing it? So like for me, when I do it, I actually float around like Galinda in the bubble. But I don't oh. have a bubble, but I'm floating, mm-hmm. so I don't. I'm not like Superman, like at an angle with my arms in front of me or flapping that, my wings. That is how I flew. Was like Superman. Okay. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has a little different. Yeah. So, and, and, and that's how that's consistent with you. Uh, yeah. Um, even the time that I was very frustratingly couldn't get off the ground when I was finally able to, I was yeah, just like flying like th- two or three feet off the ground, like Superman, like it's in a circle around, um, the playground at the school in my dream. So, 
Nice. Yeah, pretty pretty consistent though. When I you're like and just yeah, Superman. That's how I'd fly. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have that in my mind. That's always kind of what I think I want to do too. But in reality, or I guess in dream reality, um, I'm I'm always floating. Like I have an inner tube around my waist. I remember when I first started having these dreams, I did have an inner tube around my waist, like a training wheel. And um, and for some reason, that is how I've always flown. I, now I don't have my training inner tube, but. <laughs> <laughs> to to have a pink bubble though that's my next thing that's cool what so when you're lucid and so in like the highest state of lucid where some people would call that just full-on astral projection mm-hmm. like when it when it's like this right um do you do you get that first of all do you get that level of lucidity in dreams do you get to the point where you actually know you're outside of your body and you're having that experience I think the 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 most lucid I had ever been, with the exception of maybe one other time, was was the one in question where I was demanding to see a naked girl, <laughs> and and besides that, I think there was, might have been one other time. Every other time that I become lucid in a dream, I get so caught up in my dream that I slip back into dreaming. Yes, and the lucidity slips away. Yeah, um, and that's how it is now. Like occasionally rarely um maybe two three times a year i i remember it's, it's one of the only things i remember in the dream is becoming lucid mm-hmm. and then going okay you know what this is a dream i'm dreaming right now but before i get to that let me let me see how this goes mm-hmm. and then i never get back to to being lucid and like i just like you know what i know this is a dream but I was talking to a turtle over here. I'm going to see where that goes. And then I just like slept back into the dream. Yeah. It's, that's, it's quite common actually. I don't know why those, those narratives will pull us out of lucidity sometimes. Very strange. What about encounters with what you would consider other beings that seem like they're not you? Well, uh, mostly the one in question. Okay. Yeah. Right. The early yeah, one. Yeah. The, the monster. Uh, and you know what? I didn't. I didn't. The the what I called him was the landlord's son, because that's kind of how I knew him. He was our landlord's son at the time, and I like I I remember like the the reoccurring dream was like the police were after him. They were asking if I knew where he was because he was because like he was probably five six years older than me, and we would play when he'd come over. So he was kind of like a friend, but, you know, like an older friend um, who kind of tolerated my my younger self. Um, We weren't like, you know, super good buds. But um, for whatever reason, it decided my my consciousness or or whatever decided to manifest it as him. And so I just call him the landlord's son whenever I saw this monster. And I remember waking up from the initial dream and just being absolutely convinced that he had done something wrong and that's why i dreamt it i remember being worried for many months if not a year or two afterwards that he had gotten himself into trouble and that it was it was something that he's going to go to jail for um as far as i know that never happened because i remember asking about it at the time and and nothing you know, like that ever happened, but 
that was the sense I got from, from this dream, and it was pretty strong. Um, other than that, I would say it would just it would harken back to that paranormal uh, experience I was talking about, and I, I've I've talked about this story probably probably more times than I should on on my podcast, but it was uh, essentially a shadow person experience, um, and there there's a documentary on Netflix called The Nightmare. Or, or maybe it's just nightmare. Um, I'm not familiar. Oh, if you have Netflix or anyone has Netflix, it, it's worth the watch, like for sure. Oh, okay. Up until I saw that, I was absolutely convinced that whilst what I was seeing was shadow people, what I was experiencing was not sleep paralysis. I had always had the consideration in the back of my mind that it could possibly be night terrors or sleep paralysis but there was things that didn't add up to me that weren't common at least to me at that point that would indicate sleep paralysis after watching this documentary i found that it's actually relatively common exactly what i experienced um but still i'm true to my 10 year old self knowing that ghosts are real um so basically what it would be um at the time we all lived in a trailer my family was uh, my mother, um, my older sister, and my younger brother, um, only siblings I had at the time, and myself. And my father was in prison, probably. And um, my bed was at the end of the hall of this trailer. So if I looked down at the end of my bed, I could see down the hallway. And on most nights, I would wake up, look down the end of this hallway, and I would see the shadow, the silhouette of a little boy walking down the hallway and there was our bathroom light in the hall was always on and there was enough light there for me to see for sure at least in my little mind that this was a translucent but solid figure when he walked in front of this light and the boy the little boy freaked me out i could tell it was a boy just because of its build and the the best way i could describe it it was like a 3d shadow like not just like a flat shadow, it was three shadow. And actually, in the in the documentary, the nightmare, they nail those three D shadows, like what I saw. Uh, at least if you downsized them from full grown men to this little boy. And while the full, the little boy, like, it freaked me out, but what, what terrified me was like so. As soon as it got to the room, I'd always watch it come all the way down the hall and into the room. And once it got in the room, I would always cover my head and hide underneath the blankets and I would just leave just enough, you know, opening so I could breathe fresh air and I could peer onto the wall and on the wall, I would see the shadows of the shadows. If that makes any sense at all, I would see the shadow of this larger shadow or this, this larger shadow just beat the shit out of this little shadow. Right. And this of course would terrify the fuck out of me every night that it happened, which was again, most nights um i would eventually uh pass out from just being tired um and one night and this is kind of when it all all came up came down to it was one night i told myself i was gonna meet the little shadow at the end of the hallway when it came into the room so i don't remember going to sleep i'm pretty sure I, I, i just stayed awake until it was until i saw the shadow come down you know everyone had to be asleep it's just the way it worked 
And again, this whole time, mind you, I'm in bed. So again, my red flags start popping up, you know, oh, he's in bed, in a dog state, all these, mm-hmm. all these red yeah. flags, which is why I'm more skeptical of it now. Um, but so I see this shadow, like I, I just look up and I'm waiting, I'm, I'm going through my head, you know, what I'm going to do, all this, all this stuff. And um, I see the little shadow start making its way down. I look, I look up and it's just coming down, right? And so I, I gather all my balls up and I pick them and I, I pick my balls up and I go, muster all my, all my courage and I go meet this shadow at the door. And I, I never, it, it occurred to me that I had never seen it get past the, the threshold of the door into the room. And at this point, it had actually stepped into our room. And again, it's like a 3D shadow, so I can see its silhouette. It wasn't facing me. Like, it was just like staring straight and I'm almost on the, on the side of it at this point. And I, I didn't know what I was going to do. I don't remember saying anything to it. What I remember is reaching my hand out to touch it. And it was just this slow, slow reach. And like, as soon as I should have touched it, like, like as soon as I, my, my skin should have touched whatever this was, it just vanished. It was gone. And I just remember staying there and being like really happy and proud of myself for, for having the cojones to do this. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, young me, I was just like, well, problem <laughs> solved. I fixed all this mess. You're welcome. Time to go to bed. <laughs> so I remember going to bed, being really happy. I'm like, well, I'll never have to deal with that again. <laughs> and then waking up and looking at the wall and seeing the, this huge shadow just beat the shit out of the little shadow again. Oh, wow. And I remember being sad and then, you know, passing back out. And it, it happened all the way up until we moved out of there. And so I, each time, did when it was ha- would happen after that, would you would you confront it? Did the so was the fear no, gone thereafter? No, no, the fear was not gone after I saw it happen again. I felt that what I did had done nothing, and really, <laughs> whatever I experienced, it, it really it did it. It did nothing for it. Yeah, um, and it was it was it was what people would describe as residual haunting. I don't subscribe to the stone tape theory for uh, various Mm -hmm. reasons, but that's what it was. And so I always, I I never heard of a shadow person experience be residual, be, be like, be like what would be described as a residual haunting and just on a Mm -hmm. repetitive loop that happens, whether or not anyone's there to witness it. I had never heard that before. Um, after watching that documentary, it turns out it's pretty common. Mm -hmm. Um, so, you know, I'd, I'd ask my family about years later, probably 10, 15 years ago now. So all grown up. No one else had ever experienced anything else in that trailer. Um, I do remember like driving by the trailer park one day and they like tore everything up and they were remodeling it. So that made me a little bit happy that that place was gone. But, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, they just rebuilt over it. So who knows? If it was, yeah, the house now, wherever that is. So, yeah, and that, yeah, that was the experience after after that night. Interesting. I I do love that you. Oops, I think we crossed over. Um, I do love that you actually had the cojones, as you said, mm-hmm. <laughs> to confront it. I mean, that's a big psychological jump in in your growth as a person, and um, also it does slightly change the the dreamscape do you 
have you experienced people you know that have passed within the dream realm? Yeah, um, a, a few times. Um, actually, still, I, I had a, a pretty good friend, um, and uh, he thought it'd be a good idea to uh, end his life. And I, I still see him even now, and it's probably been ten years, give or ten years. And every time I see him in the dream, I get so pissed at him. And like the times that I actually are, I am able to go up and actually talk to him. I go, dude, this is a fucked up joke because everyone thinks that you're dead. And that's pretty messed up. It's a good joke, but it's time to stop it. Everyone, you, you need to tell people that you're really alive. Um, and, and that's all it is. And it's the same thing. I always see, here, here, here's how it goes. I either see him, and I'm able to talk to him and be like, dude, I thought you were dead. Or I see him and I do a, a double take and it's someone completely different. So almost a doppelganger in the dream. Oh, wow. Like I mistake That's someone else. I mistake him. I mistake someone else for him. Mm-hmm. And when I look back, it's not him. Um, I, I have a, had. I had a similar thing happen when uh, Dead Tony died. And he showed up in my dreams. He would be like at parties in the background. And I would, hey, that looks like Dead Tony. I'd walk up. And he wouldn't, he would never talk back to me. Yeah. For years, I had those after he died. It's crazy. And, yeah. and he never talked to you throughout any of those? Nah. Not Interesting. Because I wanted to know why the hell he wasn't dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the most recent. I remember when my grandmother died, uh, when she passed, I had a few dreams about her. Um, kind of the, the cookie cutter um, experience with her. You know, you don't, you don't get to say goodbye. You dream about her, you get to say goodbye, and that's about that. But, but the one that I still get is is from my friend, yeah, who passed probably a decade ago. When uh, you when you ran up to him, did and you know we're like everyone thinks you're dead. Did he? Did does he ever respond? Does he ever talk yeah, with you? Um, he just kind of laughs his his signature laugh. If you knew him, and who knows, you're from Washington, you might. Um. He, he has a signature laugh. He'd always just laugh and and um, just go, yeah, I know, and just give his 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 laugh again. And that's about it. Um, either something else happens in the dream that we no longer communicate, or or he disappears and I don't notice, or however that dream works. Um, but here's the other thing. So those times when I mistake him for someone else in my dream, or I see him and I look back and it's someone else how that always goes is it's always the same thought, whether I get to talk to him or not, I'll, I'll, I'll see him like someone riding a bike. I'm like, Hey, that's him. I'm like, man, that's a horrible joke. Like everyone thinks he's dead. He, he needs to cut that out. Then I'll look back and it's someone else. And, but when I do get to talk, there, there's been a few occasions where I do get to be like, dude, like, dude, I miss you, man. Like everyone thinks you're dead. Where have you been? Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. And then he gives it his laugh. So, what do you think about, so it's kind of, it's just a perfect place for me to ask you this. Um, what do you think happens after death? Is there life after death, according to you? 
Oh, let's let's not take anything according to me. But well, um, that's the whole point, though. Nobody knows. So according to anyone is to me yeah. is just as valid as the next. Yeah. Um. I, I guess uh, on nights when I get all ex- uh, existential, I I like to believe there is. Um, I'm sure everyone has always had those nights where they just can't go to sleep because they just don't know what the meaning of it all is. What at, what's after this? What's the next step? Um, honestly, I, I'd say it probably varies. Um, with, with just like with most things, it, when you ask me, it varies. Yeah, depends yeah. On the day, depends on the mood. Yeah, um, I like that answer actually. What would, this actually? What sign are you? Do you know? Pisces. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. I had to get oh, at no that. You were saying kind of scorpionic stuff to me, so mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out. <laughs> where. Um, yeah, yeah, another Pisces. Yeah, yeah two here. Right. I got all this water from my earth. What's your birthday? Yeah. February 28th. Here? Oh, Jerry's doing a numerology. What is it? 1984. It was a leap year. I was induced. Oh, doesn't matter. Actually, but those things are interesting to me. He's doing the He's a numerology. He's a seven. You're a seven, just like I me. Do. Yep, that's interesting. Nice. I'm gonna double check it because I'm retarded in math. Yeah, I watched you and Trisha God, go around crazy. the other. <laughs> you guys couldn't get it right. You couldn't. Yeah, it's a seven. Trisha, Trisha. So seven, interesting. Mm-hmm. So where do you fall on? Um, so, all right, with the the whole death thing. So, what what do you think the function of dreams is? What what is that whole thing about dreamland and dreaming? Well, again, that's one of those questions that just varies because the, the more and more I, I look at esoteric topics in the fringe, um, I'd say the more that I look at, at 14 literature and the more i read i almost become more skeptical um not necessarily uh in a, in a disbelieving disproving way but um all these stories they they're what feed my curiosity into the top but by the same token i i find myself trying to it's almost like a puzzle you know you try to figure out how it all fits together in in what you can conceive as reality so there there are certain dreams like my precognitive uh precog dreams where i'm convinced there has to be something more to it and there's other times i'd say probably the majority of the time that it's just your brain deconstructing deconstructing what happened throughout the day and throwing in some little tidbits of craziness. Uh, so, I, yeah, it probably it varies from day to day. I mean, because I had those experiences where, like, well, I dreamt this exact same thing, and I know I dreamt it. It wasn't just a deja vu. Well, I must have dreamt this before. Well, even if that's the case, how did, how did you know it was going to happen? Like, how does your brain know? How do you dream this? scenario and then it happened exactly the way you know it's going to happen um so it varies i guess <laughs> no that's an Sorry, honest answer it all 
but it, you know, everything for me is always fluctuating according to yeah. new data. Yeah. So exactly. what do you think, what do you think this experience of waking life is then? So on the opposite side. Uh, um, you know, I think, I think we've all had that. Well, what if this is really the dream? And the dream is, is, is reality. And when we all go to sleep, we're actually awake and vice versa. Um, I used to, I used to dabble with that thought a lot when I was younger, uh, in my teen years. Um, I, I don't know. I think this is, that's kind of like the question is basically what is life? Um, and no one knows. Well, yet. it's a, a little bit different because what is life brings more into what is life is like has more of a destination. The question's got more of a destination. What do you think waking reality is? Is way more open. Like yeah, the nature um, of reality, what's holding it down. And so it doesn't have to have anything to do with predestination or um anything more meaningful that would bring in that connotation of what I get from the other perspective. Um, are, are you familiar with uh, the brain in a jar thought experiment? Jerry, I see you shaking your head. No, you're not. Nish, are you? No, I thought, I thought you were going to say something else. Will you uh, just re- give us the synapses? Not the head in the jar is from Futurama, right? Yeah, no, the brain in a jar. Or the Lovecraftian. Thought experiment. No. The whisper. I do, but I can't remember what it was. Go ahead. Simplified, it's, it's, there's, there's no way to know whether or not that you're actually a brain in a jar being kept alive from whatever means. Because there's no way for me to know that you're real. There's no way for you to know that I'm real. And there's, there's no way that what we are experiencing right now and what we perceive as reality is actually happening and not just our our brain's way of coping with this the real this, trauma um, exactly <laughs> that that we're just a brain in the jar we have no but you can um, just say the brain in the jar could also that, that's the same thing with the, the matrix like, yeah. yeah right the virtual reality exactly. it's, it's just another way to say it but mm-hmm. um I mean, science has come prove close to proving that nothing really does exist and i think there's something poetic in that yeah and uh but then that ties it deeper into dream time yeah which validates the other side of this i mean it it does tie it together rather nicely doesn't it so okay so with these ideas of i mean at least you're open i do hear a slant in your um descriptions definitely leaning more towards the harder skeptic though yeah, than you were and, when and you were young. And, and I liked it. It's not even so much that I'm trying to entertain it. It's that I feel that I have to state that, to be honest with myself. And, and answering honestly, I do feel that I'm more skeptical toward many things. I mean, things that I, I spent hours and way too much fucking time researching. Um, <laughs> for it to be like, well, what do you mean you don't think it's real? I'm like, well, I said I think there's a possibility it isn't real. Mm-hmm. Um, not in Sasquatch is, is the perfect example. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows me around work, my friends, my family as the Bigfoot guy. Um, fascinated with the phenomenon. I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but just like most of the answers I've been given tonight, 50 50 depends on the day, man. You know, 
I, I think it's very it's a romantic thought to think that this you know relic hominid or this interdimensional being or or whatever you know whatever school you land in is out there and that we have just yet to discover it but then in like the the quantum idea of observation mm -hmm. so like the sasquatch is perfect because i actually didn't even pay it any mind my whole entire life no mind at all it was way far out like in the it just seemed it wasn't as fancy yeah an apparition in a Victorian outfit or some of the other ideas of paranormal that I grew up with. And until I had a for real Sasquatch experience on Mount Hood, which I talked talked about on your yeah, podcast. Yeah, you did. Really um they changed my life. It changed my life. And it changed my life in the way that not that it was a an actual Bigfoot encounter and I had a witness and animals with me that responded to it as well. Mm -hmm. Um it, in the idea that okay this thing really does exist and but what was so fascinating was my conscious mind my whatever you want to call it waking mind kept trying to place it into known things i i know of like bears and um i really wanted to make it a standing bear i really really wanted to do that and um you know, and then the person with me had the telepathic experience with it, who's a straight laced, very straight laced person. And uh, I, you know, and his response to it all too was, you know, like, okay, this really did happen. And I still see it clearly in my head and it's not a damn bear and I've been around yeah. bears. How did you so, not have a telepathic experience? I was having a completely visual experience with it. I don't know. I, so I have since then, I hear that there's a whole bunch of different ways Bigfoot stuff plays out. It's like fourth dimensional and all this. I saw it as real as we are, like a bear could be standing there. But I also had the hormonal experience because it's the smell yeah. was so intense and we were both trying to figure out what the hell is the smell you know it was very skunky mm -hmm. but then it was hormonal making like my jaws kind of feel weird and um and then when we got in close enough range uh i i felt this fear like i've never felt in my entire life like i cannot describe it to the bone i'm not a fearful person i'm a cautious person when in nature because yeah. out in the wood yeah there's there's there are stuff that you know you can you're not on the top and yeah. so but this kind of fear was almost like i i wanted to disappear that's how afraid i was i wanted to dis like when i was little and i'd try to be a rock and not breathe and um and then when it stood up and I saw the form and I saw that, you know, the steps, the sidestep, the one main sidestep I saw, I, <laughs> it was unbelievable. You know, I, I was, it was, it was completely life-changing and from someone who didn't really care about Bigfoot at all, yeah. it always seemed kind of funny to me. So but your, um, your friend didn't see it he saw the movement but what he saw he so he gets we get into the rain we both smell the whole thing we both um experienced the dogs were crazed like our the dogs will run at stuff and and bark and stuff. they were scared and it was unusual that was unusual and then at the time when um i was looking i was actually looking where the dogs were and i don't think he was we had one on both sides by the way the whole story is on friends to know um but 
heard it. He heard a growl inside of his head. He said it was like it was inside of his head, a voice in his head. It was a growl. I didn't have that experience at all. So I thought, hmm, that's interesting also, because I have experienced that with large and more wild animals in nature where I felt like a telepathic communicate. I've experienced that with elephants, by the way, and um, some other animals where there was something, it was in my head, but they were animals that I know to exist. (laughs) So anyway, the whole point of this is I had the experience I didn't actually believe in Bigfoot before. I thought it was kind of funny in all of it until I had the experience. And I'm not obsessed with Bigfoot at all. Now I'm just more like, I don't know if I want to go that remote into the woods because that's what it was. We went off grid, off road, and then hiked and then got in, you know, like where there's no trail. You know, we got deep in the wood of Mount Hood. And there's a spit for you right there, deep in the wood of Mount Hood. (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm, why do they stink so bad that's what i want to know uh, it was it was um jerry when it we before it got closer and i noticed i knew it was hormonal i thought there was like a pot field around because it was skunky mm. it was very skunky yeah. like pot can mm-hmm, be mm-hmm. and um and then all of a sudden it wasn't skunky it was v- definitely hormonal and nasty it was mm-hmm. definitely like turned the other way nasty I guess that's skunky too, because you don't want to yeah, go towards it. Right. I'm just, I, I'm just trying to wrestle with the fact that there's a olfactory stimulation from an interdimensional being, um, or, or is it, a, is it here, or is it something that could just lack? This thing time, looked. This thing here. was physical. Mm-hmm. Like if it was interdimensional. Uh, then it cha- that changes my idea of interdimensional too, because it was as solid as I am and details of it were as crisp and clear as anything, you know, the tree next to it. Right. Right. I know. I, I get that. I'm, I don't doubt that you saw what you saw. <clears throat> I guess I'm just, I'm trying to wrestle with if they live here, where do they hide? Like, yeah, I, don't have any, I know. I know the for answers of theories or hypotheses. I'm sure. Um, Joshua Clutching in his book, The Brimstone Deceit, which deals with, you know, paranormal smells and monstrous miasmas, so on and so forth. If you get a chance to read it, I, I recommend it because it's it's an awesome book. Um, I'm actually about ready to start his first book. Um, the, Trojan Feast. Yes. He's going to be on um, in four weeks, I believe. Well, then you should definitely ask him because Yay. he has uh, mm-hmm. uh, quite a bit of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd actually love to pick that guy's brain. I know he's been on Friends to Know, but never when I'm on. Um. Uh, but I mean, it, it stems to, at least in regards to the smell, um, you know, being a a um, a mechanism that they can employ Trigger. on will, you know, almost like. Uh, and you know, I found it interesting. Um, Nisha, you were talking about having the the experience with an elephant and other creatures that yeah. um, you know are real. Elephants are known to produce infrasound. And Sasquatch is notoriously reported to um, uh, produce infrasound that causes, you know, fear. Or I, I actually, I wrote a, I wrote a, a blog post on this on Primerica. Um, it's, uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. I'm saying it's probably unlikely. But because the only reason is because, I mean, everything that you can speculate about Sasquatch is just that it's all speculation. 
Um, all you can do same can be from. said about aliens. Exactly, and, and 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 that's just it. And there is a uh, zoologist, or a, he's not a zoologist; he's a, a paleontologist named Darren Niche. If if you ever picked up a, a book about dinosaurs, um, recently, in the past few years, he probably has something to do with it. He actually has his own podcast called the Tetrapod Zoology Podcast. Um, it, it, it can get kind of dry sometimes because it's really technical. And uh, unless you're a paleontologist and understand all the terms and phrases, it, it's, it's really totally good. Anyway, he, he did write a book or two books on cryptozoology. And he refers to cryptozoology as speculative zoology, which is probably a more appropriate term. Um, because most of what um, cryptozoology about is speculating the habits and behaviors vis-a-vis observed um observed behavior so it, it really most of it is all speculative and and speculating why these behaviors happen or why they have these behaviors infrasound i saw a video one time that was supposed uh infrasound caused by a bigfoot on a deer and this video was just a deer eating, and all of a sudden it stood up and looked like a deer in the headlights, and that's all it was. And and this this supposedly was because of a Sasquatch using infrasound to target its prey. There wasn't a hairy hand that came out of nowhere that grabbed it. Otherwise, that'd be a little bit more convincing. But I forget where this will go. I think it, well, my point is it's all speculative. Yeah. And, and I respect that. And, but the thing is for me, the, um, no matter what, what it possibly could be, I physically experienced it. And so that in and of itself Mm -hmm. changed the whole idea. So now anything's possible. You say Sasquatch to me or Bigfoot or Hodunk as they say it up in UP. (laughs) Um, I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. I have, you have my, I mean, you always had my ear with anything weird, especially cryptozoology, I suppose. Um, but now I'm like, yes, I, I'm interested in hearing these stories and it's weird because I don't put it into the realm of, um, dreams, like where I think of the dream, the dreaming that we have, it's so tight now for me to what I consider waking life, which I still think is a dream, but it's so tied into this now. And the fact that it was so scary, like I felt like it would eat me. That's how scary it was. Like I was not safe. It wasn't like go pushing something at like, go, go away, go away. I felt like I was going to get taken, eaten, you know, like that kind of real reptilian brain fear. It's it's very common to, to hear that type of fear. Um, and I think I told you this the first time you, you told me the story that this is the type of story that keeps me interesting and keeps me wanting to to find out just for myself. Like, I don't care if anyone believes me. I, I might not even tell anyone except for, you know, people who I, who I know. I just want to know for myself. It's been way too long since I've been hiking, but I was pretty avid. A uh, hiker, I, I'd go up frequently and... And I, I never once saw any indication of anything. And and not. And, and here's the thing: you hear a lot of times, you can't look for them. You won't find them if you look for them. They'll find you. Mm-hmm. And so I've tried both tactics. You know, I actively looking. The eyes are always peeled. You want the experience. So even if 
Yeah, but if you're out there saying, I'm not going to, I'm not looking for one, I'm not looking for one, you still have an expectation unconsciously that you do want the experience. Well, okay, so by what I mean by that is I go out not to look for them. I go out simply for the hike, for the beauty, for the nature. You know, when I go out, when, when I used to go out, it was with um, my hiking buddies, and that's where we're going. I just had an interest in it. And, and it's like you go out without first, intention to seek exactly. a bigfoot yeah yeah, yeah but it, but see that's still like it still doesn't matter that your conscious intent is there unconsciously you want to have the experience so i mean because for like i mean i feel i just have this passion now about it because i like i said i just thought it was bogus i really really did and mm-hmm. i never thought you know it was just never going to be in the front of ever i had no attachment none yeah. And so my only attachment would be, which is what my my mind tried to make it into, was like a bear or a cougar or something. Mm-hmm. So and I wasn't I was chatting away. I was being kind of bimbo like just chit chat, chit chat, chit chat and <laughs> carrying on not really paying attention. And then, you know, and then the smell and then drawn into that scenario. So. Yeah, I mean, that's I, I think there's something to that when you unconsciously want an experience i think people that want so i also do think that we can create the experience by unconsciously wanting it bad enough too i don't know where the line is there did it didn't you used to do um paranormal stuff like ghost hunts and whatnot or you have been on them i thought lately i thought you showed me ghost box recently no, I was you're talking you. to me, or you're yeah, talking you. To you. yeah, you. you. Justin. I'm sorry, Justin. Oh no, no, never. Um, Who the hell was that? Hmm. No, I've. Uh, I want to say ghost hunt. You know, I've casually wandered around <laughs> places that probably wasn't legal to be there. Um, a, f- a few times I might have recorded, never got anything. I want to say ghost hunting. Really, I mean, it was it was toward my. Um, I want to say my renaissance back into the fringe um, topic because throughout my life, I've, you know, when I was younger and I had this, these experiences, um, I had an aunt who had a subscription to Fate Magazine and she would always let me read all of her back issues and that's mostly what I did. Um, and for a while there, you know, just kind of fell to the wayside with growing up and, and being a teenager and girls and stuff. and and. Uh, then it reemerged into this um, into this interest again, and then it fade away, and and then I mean, probably now for the last 10, 11 years, it's it's just been pretty full on, fortean fringe funness, and but yeah, when I was younger, um, you know, so you can't prosecute me for that when i was younger i i i might be guilty of breaking into some reportedly haunted places and <laughs> and acting like an investigator i don't i don't think the ghosts or apparitions and whatnot are out of the realm of fortiana no no i don't it's very rare that <clears throat> multiple people see see a ghost together mm-hmm. you know it's it has it's been put in on its in its own classification, but I don't think it really needs to be. I think it's still part of that whole thing. It's a, whatever it is. It's whatever it is. I like that. Um, well, I, yeah, I, I feel it's less bogged down when you say it is. It, 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 whatever it is is what it is. Right. 
definitely more open to to trying to explain it. Right, right. And then, you know, to go from there, you can go, okay, so is it something, is it part of us? Is it internal or external? This is, I hear this talk about a lot, specifically with, like, the anti-ETH people, like uh, Greg Bishop, uh, well, I've heard a lot of people talk about it. Soraya talks about, it. like, where does this... Co- Say it's another consciousness or other consciousnesses. Is, is where, where do they come from? Are they part yeah. of? Are there some archetypes in the wheel with everyone else, or are they external? Uh, we can't answer. It's just an interesting question. Yeah, and and maybe that's that's why you, I, everyone likes it. It's a puzzle. I mean, I love puzzles. Right, and, <clears throat> and if that's what we got to do, you know keep us not bored till we die hey, yeah it's fun it's been a good ride and right. i'm sure if there's maybe some... even after we die mm-hmm. exactly mm-hmm. if in some way we actually have organized our lives here as people tend to say then i'm pretty happy that i'm doing what i enjoy doing figuring shit out right <laughs> yeah you know what i mean it's like i picked the perfect thing for myself oh awesome i agree and and basically, at the end of the day, that's what it comes down to. It's it's trying to keep yourself occupied. And, I mean, pursuit of knowledge is is definitely occupying your boredom. Yeah, definitely mine. I mean, yeah. I can't sit down and watch TV anymore. Yeah. I, I get anxious, like, oh, man, I should be doing something more productive. I absolutely agree. And, I keep buying books in hopes that I'll find time to read them, but my queue of books that I have right now. So put them under your bed and and go to sleep with the intent to absorb the knowledge. You know, there's actually, um, I was listening to a mysterious universe not long ago. And I talked about this on FTK with Adam about this girl. And and, because they were talking about athletes who would train while they sleep. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, I mean, it, it makes complete sense when you think about it, you know, it's the brief, you know, you're using the same uh, neural pathways mm-hmm. in sleep as you would in real life or in waking time. And there's this girl who said that she would go to this university in her dream and she would meet other people there and they would study for, I think it was like for, for uh, medical, whatever, uh, whatever degree or PhD she was trying to get. Mm-hmm. And, um, later you know i mean all this extra studying because you're 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 wasting all this time sleeping if you're not studying and so you know after passing with uh, amazing grades um later in in her waking life she would run into these people that she would meet at at this uh dream Training thing academy yeah pretty crazy stuff <clears throat> well I've, I've heard of so i have this uh model if you will of of the astral realm or dream time i think that's something that that we can harness and create in, and it's it's persistent. It'll stick around, you know, if enough people are putting energy into it, however that works. I don't know, I don't know how it works, right? But, I, you know, there's been enough talk of people who do shit in astral or whatever that is together, right? In a place mm-hmm. where they've set up or a place where they plan to meet or yada, yada, yada. Plus, that, that's the good side. The dark side is you hear people talking, some people, talking about how there are these constructs in astral space where shit here is manipulated. From where shit here is manipulated. It's like 
like the super soldier program, shit like that. They set up shop in astral in some kind of virtual construct into which they pour energy. So it remains persistent or whatever that is. Right. Mm-hmm. And they hang out in there all day and they could do whatever they want. Cause there's like no law. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's awesome. just, it's interesting to get like both ends of this spectrum. This might be this giant fucking scratch pad for dream space, you know, that we had lost contact with or lost the user's guide for. I don't know what, but if it's like that, it'd be really pretty awesome. Lost the user's guide. I like that idea. Because sometimes the, it definitely seems that way. Definitely. We need the user's guide for our DNA skin suit sometimes. No, the, uh, the last component of that is I think that things that our scratch pad is our plans for the 3d printer that is the physical realm you put your you plant your seeds in that space and they manifest here so i need to focus more on planting some seeds yeah in a persistent space yeah and how does that translate to to, to the physical realm i'd say you know meditation focus and a lot of energy and intention into it and that that's what people have been saying forever that's right. what it takes. You know? But if you can visualize what you're doing, I think that's where everyone gets this disconnect. Like, I, I don't know what I'm doing. What am, I, what am I meditating about, you know? But if you could just draw it and every day draw a little bit better and better and you refine it over time, you know, you're actually visualizing it and drawing it and you can think about the space that exists where it's growing there. That's a Yeah, big I agree. Problem. I mean, yeah, that, I mean, people have been saying that forever. Um, the visualizing is is a huge part of a lot of eastern um religion it's a big part it's a big part of magic it is it really is which means a big part of art and creativity and right brain shit yeah it's working on that sympathetic stuff Mm -hmm. did i tell you i used to be an artist (laughs) well i guess technically i still am i just don't draw as often as i used to who isn't an artist (laughs) yeah i mean really we all are in some way. Fine, I guess, so what, I, I guess I was a professional artist. I used to get paid for it. Oh. oh. Like a graphic I artist? I do. I'm a pro. Like a tattoo artist. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, yes. You did say that earlier. That is awesome. So what kind, of, what kind of salary are you pulling down at the tattoo joints? Um, at the time, I was, uh, it was 100 bucks an hour. And um, nice. I would have to pay, oh, what was it? It depends on the day how much I made it. Like if I didn't make that much, it'd be like however much for my spot. But I think it was like about fifteen or twenty percent. I'd have to pay for my spot, so whatever I made that day. Hundred an hour. So you've got a spot that's yours. Or you just pick it open. Yeah. Well, it, it was basically that. So the guy who taught me how to tattoo, who uh, apprentice, who I apprentice under. Um, yeah, he just had a booth set up, and then once I started actually making money. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just pay a percentage of whatever I made that day to, toward the shop for whatever my spot is. I'm, I was just wondering, I was curious because I'm, I'm thinking I underpaid my tattoo artist. <laughs> so I've never paid more than 200 for a piece and they've always taken hours. Yeah. you know what? Here's the thing is that when I say I got paid a hundred dollars an hour, that's what we'd base it off of. So, mm. you know, they come in and say, Hey, I want this. I want this. You draw it up, you size it up. All that's included in, in it, you know. I don't charge right. unless it's 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 a commission piece. If they want me just to draw something for them, then they get charged right. for whatever. 
Um, but, but basically how it would go is they'd come in, they say, Hey, I want this, I want this big. And they, you know, I want it right here. After a while, you, you get pretty good at guessing how long it's going to take you. And you base that price off hundred bucks an hour mm-hmm. or whatever. You, and sometimes, honestly, for me, it'd just be whatever I felt it was worth. Right. Um, and if it takes you longer, then you pay whatever price I told you. If it takes you less, then I might knock a few bucks off. Generally, when that happens, people are so happy that I knock them off, they, they give it to me anyway. So this, uh, this woman I went to see, she's an Olympia now, actually. Um, uh, oh, she'd be like, I'm like, how much is it? Like, Whatever. <laughs> she would just like to tattoo me. Okay. <laughs> you know what? I used to do a lot of that. Just come in, pick something off the wall. Like, you sure? You I, always let, I always let her pick it. I only had one or two things that I wanted. But then I let her do whatever she wanted. This one time at band camp, I wanted to get... That's bold, Jerry. That's very bold. That is bold. You've seen my tattoos. No, those are my favorite, favorite I ones. I have, and I'm just still saying that's bold. <laughs> when, when people just go, you know what? What do you feel like? Well, you know, I've been drawing this. I've been wanting to do this piece right here. I'll give you a killer deal on it. Those, those are my favorite ones. Yeah. Uh, this one... The, I had I, there's one tattoo that I've always wanted that I haven't gotten yet because she would only do it if I let her do if I let her do my entire back, which I didn't want to do because I'm doing a quarter sleeve on my right my left side, but whatever. The idea was Mount Rushmore, right, black and gray. Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead of the presidents, it was the Kellogg cereal monsters: Count Chocula, Frankenberry, Blueberry, and <laughs> awesome. fruit, and Fruit Brute. And it was going to be Mount Crunchmore was the name of it. Oh my god, Jerry! It's so Jerry. Yeah. <laughs> but I wanted to put it like on my thigh or on my calf. She's like, "There's no way I'm doing it that small." Right. Can you incorporate it into like a genital tattoo and make one? Of those? Ouch! Uh, I don't want to go down there. I'm <laughs> sure sorry. he can. I just was. I'm obsessed with those right now. They're so crazy. So, Justin, what got you back you into the fringe stuff? One, you come with me and get one too. I'll get one. I could. Could be talked into that, Jerry. Igor's Igor's game. But I, yeah, I, I, I'd I would get never tattoo. I never tattoo on a piece. I, I, I would have never pierce a, a penis. We used to get calls, probably two three times a, a month, asking, "Hey, you guys pierce dicks down there?" And we'd always say, "There's a handling fee, and you can't afford it." And Did they use that kind of voice for real? <laughs> No, no. I mean, it would always be like, uh, so question for a friend of a friend. Do you guys, uh, do you guys pierce penises down there? You guys do uh, any Prince Alberts, any, uh, any Jacob Slatters? There is a handling fee and you cannot afford it. Thank you. Goodbye. That's a great, great comment. Yeah. And you know what? It, they just kind of laughing. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> because although I've never, I've never watched or seen a penis be pierced. Um, my, my, uh, the guy who taught me, um, he 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 say yeah, it has to be erect in order for you to do that. And I'm not gonna, I'm not. And he wasn't, and his wife definitely wasn't. So I can't imagine. Cannot afford this handling fee, sir. Move along. How much is it? More than you got? Well, how much? Name a price. I it's, am, it's 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 retort. You know, it's, there's no that, price. You're not getting <laughs> not getting that. It's not gonna happen. That just means he's not going to do it ever. Right. Basically. I encountered a Prince Albert in the wilds once, (laughs) and that thing snagged my labia. (laughs) It was terrible. (laughs) I was like, oh, my God, this is so not great. (laughs) Mm. 
you can get so, you can get temporary yeah, feels sexy now you can get, <laughs> you can get like temporary peanut temporary prince albert in that way it's not permanent but <laughs> it's got the ring and it's got a urethral sleeve <laughs> so it okay. feels like you got one no i just think it was like better now if i if i ever did encounter another one that'd be a deal breaker not having it <laughs> I would Thanks. just be afraid to no, pee out of the bottom. You just leak up when you piss. Oh yeah, right. It's like There's a so lot of questions. It's like the drip, the dribble cups. Remember those? You, no matter how <laughs> you drink God. out of it, it dribbles. <laughs> That's what having a Prince Albert would be like. That'd be like, no matter however you're trying to piss, it's going to dribble. <laughs> My God, it's true. It's, it's true. true. I know. Well, yeah, I mean I, that even that that for the guy's side, sure that would be a hassle. But just on you know, Igor was not having that experience. That was terrible. Okay, Nox Mente took a turn. Um, <laughs> Igor is a sensitive creature and needs special handling. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> oh dear! It's, it's the lopsided nature of it. Yeah, I know totally, and that's the side that got caught. Oh, damn, half drape, I'm telling you. Origin stories here on Knox Mente. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> um, okay, I've got I've got nothing there after that. I mean, either. yeah, right. Jesus Christ. All right, <laughs> where, where were we? <laughs> I think we're done. Questions? I wonder we'll be on there. Hour and a half. That's good. We're right on time. All right. Yeah. So, does anyone have any questions in the audience? If there's anyone actually in the oh shit, a bunch of people there. Hello, everyone. Hello, Hello everyone, everyone that I cannot see. Kristen said she got a dream tattoo once that didn't that she didn't ask for. Oh, that's interesting. Hi, Kristen. I was love it, Kristen. Was it from a gray? Yeah, really. Who? Where? What ah. was the operator? Did you get that tat on a bender? No, I, I don't drink as well. Uh, and he also asked, Justin, what do the Mormons view on tattoos? Well, you know, it's, it's been a while since I've been part of the Mormon religion, but uh, most, most of, like any other religion, you know, they associate it with the uh, mark of the beast. And, um, yeah, and especially the Mormon religion. I mean, they, they don't allow, well, here, here's, a, here's kind of a common misconception is they don't allow um, caffeine. They don't allow hot drinks with caffeine. Wait, that's the misconception or that's yeah, true? Yeah, that's real. Caffeine, like if you drink a soda that has caffeine in it, it'll be okay. But hot? hot? But a hot Dr. Coffee. Pepper? Hot Dr. Pepper is yeah, not a Yeah, no -no. if you heat that bad boy up in the microwave, mm -hmm. uh -uh, That is no. so bizarre. Why? Um, but coffee, big no-no. Why? Um, it's, it's, I forget who decided that was a good idea. Uh, it was one of the leaders of the church at the time. Um, and uh, from my recollection, it was one of the leaders of the church and, uh, and yeah, no, no. And <laughs> so my brother in all of his infinite uh, wisdom decided to get a huge tattoo on his neck. Right. And like, it's kind of like a tribal design and the word God is like kind of hidden in there. Like you can clearly see it, but, was it um, a cover-up? No, not oh, a cover-up. Okay. No idea why he did it. You know, uh, he, my, my, my little brother, and he's the baby brother, um, uh, kind of your stereotypical millennial in hair bun, um, uh, didn't have a job for a long time, lived with my mom. Um, 
there's other things that I promised I would never say, so I won't, but let's just he's say he's living the dream. Well, I mean, he's doing a lot better for himself now. You know, he, he got the job, moved out. Um, he actually just got his first place. So good for you, bud. Um, when he was younger, he was uh, extremely overweight and he got tired of it and worked his ass off and, and lost a ton of weight and goes to the gym every day in, in great shape. I mean, he has, he has the mental fortitude if, if he chose to use it a little bit more. But like I said, he's doing a lot better. Anyway, uh, he decided um, to, to kind of convert to, to uh, being a Mormon. And when we were Mormons, he wasn't around. He wasn't even a thought in anyone's uh, mind. And, um, but like in the past few years, uh, he decided to uh, start conversing. And, and I think he actually uh, started to become a member of the church until like a year ago. And then he like decided it wasn't the best idea. Um, but he had this huge neck tattoo. And as far as I know, they didn't say anything about it. Maybe because he wasn't a member of the church at the time. And he wasn't baptized at the time as a Mormon, uh, as I was. Um, but I was baptized as a Christian too, again, to hook up with a chick. Um, and it worked. And, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I, I guess it it just depends if, if you're a full fledged member of the church, then tattoos are a big no, no. Um, but, uh, if you have pre-existing, if you have a pre-existing condition and then join the church, it's probably okay. If you're in, like, if you're Orthodox Jew, you can't have, right. you can have tattoos, but you can't get buried with them. So they, they cut them out. No hot dogs either. It's, I'm just, I mean, I just think that's so gruesome. In a way, it's kind of cool. And yet it's not. What's just the, the idea of cutting, having the skin tat, you know, like if say there's a collector market out there for there, them. There actually are tattoos. There are collectors out there. And there's tattoo museums, especially in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, museum. oh yeah, yeah. The Yakuza. I love all that stuff in Japan. And the triads have their own. And... Yeah, old uh, uh, sailor tattoos. Uh, prisoners would uh, uh, get their tattoos removed after execution or death and preserved and yeah there's actually a market out there for actual human tattoos it's that's a for real oddity what do you think it they is. taste like if they're deep fried uh <laughs> probably like pork rinds that's what i, I would think that's exactly right? what i thought makes sense we're like, like 98 what, percent the number, same what like cherry red number three coloring <laughs> well, we're like 98 percent the same genetic makeup as pigs it's a crackling. There's a theory that, that we're actually <laughs> descended from pigs. Well, yes. the, it's the, well, Anu, the eyes. Anunnaki took, took primate DNA and, That's it, yeah. and swine DNA and made us with them. That's how it happened. That's my Did we have... <laughs> Oh, I forgot. I'm looking for a stupid picture of my tattoo, which can't find. Uh, Any questions? Any no, more questions? No, that was it. Terrible. Wow. Says hair bun. That's that's the extent of our comments tonight. <clears throat> <laughs> there, there's yeah. been nobody in chat until like ten minutes ago. Very funny. Actually, I think we we had seven watchers this whole time. No, I got twelve right now. We've had more. Mm. It was it's up one up to seventeen. It doesn't matter. Well, this yeah. is the kind of crowd that you should expect anytime you have me on. 
No, we're, it's not we're just underground. You. We're underground. We always have small crowd, but then our videos get... Right. And we'll be releasing, yeah. unleashing, I should say, the podcast. Ooh, that is a great question from Oswald. Ask Justin if he's ever met another Justin. The answer is, yes, I have. And it's actually kind of an interesting story, so I'm glad you asked. Um, <laughs> the first time I met Justin, um, I, I never met anyone uh, with the name Justin before this, this time. I had a few people... Uh, I had one guy email me because it's actually a, a pretty popular surname in uh, French Canada. Uh, Canada. Um, and in France, there's like a magazine named Justin. Anyway, so uh, I was actually tattooing at the time. Um, I wasn't doing a tattoo. I was a, a tattooist at the time. And me and, and the guy who taught me how to tattoo, we went to the bar. And I had a few drinks in me. And I see this really big guy come walking through the bar. Never seen him before. And on his shirt is my name. And I'm just drunk enough to say something about it. And I probably wasn't the, the, the most composed. Um, but I, like, I just like point like right in his shirt. Like, you know, like, just like right up in his chest. Like, hey, what's all this about? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is this guy still in my fucking laundry? What's going oh, on here? I was just like, hey. Oh, you're one of those kind of drinkers. I was like, what's this? And he goes, oh, you know, it, it's my name. It's how you spell. I go, bullshit. He goes, no, it is. And I just like reach for my wallet, right? And like, he, he just knew. He knew what I was going to say. He goes, no. And I go, uh-huh. <laughs> I pull out my license and I show it to him, right? And he just flips the fuck out. And I do too, because I've never met another Justin. And neither had he. And, um, and, and he found out I did tattoo. So he kind of just followed me around for the rest of the night. So I, and he was like way bigger than me, even though he's younger than me. And he's kind of like a little security guard. Um, so flash forward a few months and we ended up working at the same place together. Oh, wow. Right? Some serendipity. He, he's the security guard at the <laughs> bar I work at. Um, so this is after I quit tattooing for like the fourth time or whatever it was. And I went back to cooking and then I quit this one job and I started working at the bar and yeah, he was the security guard. And so, I mean, kind of weird, never met another Justin and I ended up working with one. Um, but yeah, he was the younger one. So I kept on, I always told him I was the original and, uh, <laughs> and yeah, so, uh, everyone called him big Justin and, um, I was just Justin, which I was okay with. <laughs> um, I asked him why he was named Justin. And he said that the nurse misheard Justin and spelt it Justin. I was like, ah, oh, well, that's kind of a crappy story. I know. That I is... was a compromise between Jesus and not Jesus. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my mom, God bless her soul, did not name me after my father. He wanted me to be a junior. Uh, oh, no. Jesus Jr. And, and <laughs> when she brought me home from the hospital because he wasn't there, obviously he's a piece of shit. And she brought me home, and he's like, "Oh, let me see, let me see Jesus Jr., let me see Jr." And she's like, "Well, it's not exactly <laughs> Jesus Jr." He's like, "Oh, or it's not exactly Jr." He's like, "Oh, you just named him just straight Jesus. That's awesome." And she's like, "Well, didn't exactly do that either." And she's like, it's Justin, but it's spelled J E S T I N. <laughs> like Jesus, J E S U S. 
That's awesome. And, and my father was drunk enough to go, okay, that makes sense. <laughs> and that was the end of that. <laughs> That's awesome, Justin. So God bless my mom for not naming me after him. But uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love the name Justin. I had not encountered it myself. So I, I didn't think it was real. Yeah, no, it is. And you know what the funny thing is, is that when I like fill out forms or whatever, people will actually go, did you spell that right? <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> your first typo is your I'm name. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I, I know how to spell my name. <laughs> like, yeah, of course. Another thing that happens is when you go, oh, like, what's like, what's your name? Like it's Justin with an E instead of a, a U and they'll always spell it J U S. Oh no. T E N. Yeah. It's like, oh, Lord. That's not what I said. Yeah. Um, I, I have this problem. This... My last name <clears throat> is Ablin and mm-hmm. people always want to put the L before the B all the time. So my last name, it, it's up there. Can you guys guess how it's pronounced? Oh, so, you know, Jerry, you actually, uh, you did a good job pronouncing Sias. Correct. Good guess. No, I know. You told me. <laughs> I know. Yeah, it, yeah, it's Sias. So I've been called Justin Salas my whole life. Um, not a big deal. And I answered it Justin because, you know what? If I'm only going to know you for like 10 minutes, I don't care if you call me Justin, right? So my little brother, the, the millennial that we were talking about before, right? I got a birthday card. He had been like like 13 years old at the time. And it said, happy birthday to my big brother, Justin. And I was like, hey, <laughs> hey, bud. Um, what do you think my name is? <laughs> my name is Justin? He's like, well, yeah. I'm like, no, dude. Like, you know what? I don't care when people in passing call me Justin. Oh, my goodness. You know, like, I don't care. <laughs> I'm like, but you're 13 years old. <laughs> Are you telling me you've never seen written down anywhere in mom's house, like ever? Like, how do you think my name is Justin, dude? Oh, anyway, man. I still bring that up from time to time. I'm like, dude, you were 13. How did you? So for 13 years, he thought he had a big brother named Justin. <laughs> so Turns out he didn't. He had this guy. Justin. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, it does. It, it speaks to the conversation with the Bigfoot stuff earlier. It's like what your mind just fills it in. It can't be Justin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, people aren't used to it. So they just, they fill in what they know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh my God, Justin, you've been fun. This has been another off the wall. Uh, yeah, those, those are the Nox best. Mente. Yeah, last week was too. We had a good time with Anya. They can't all be straight laced and snooty. Yeah. Oh, we love to laugh. You knew what this was when you asked me to come on. Exactly. I, mean, I want you to We're... come on every show. <laughs> I, am, I, I did say I was hilarious, so ba-boom. Ooh, my brother experienced a Mandela effect. Perhaps. I never considered that. Hmm. Maybe he's from an alternate dimension where he did have a big brother named Justin. Or he's just a high mind. Or, you know, he's just retarded. I'm going to go with the latter. You're his brother. You, you've, you've got this. You can say that. Yeah, I can. It's totally cool, you guys. <laughs> it's totally cool. Well, I can't find my little my little Cthulhu servitor that I made. Sorry, Persian scribe. It's funny. He was saying that he expected to see a Lovecraftian themed My Little Pony tattoo. 
And I actually have a servitor, I created a servitor that's a My Little Cthulhu with the rainbow wings. <laughs> Jerry, it's so great. You've seen it, right? Uh, I don't think I've seen it, Jerry. I'll, no. it. I'll find it. I'll post Maybe it. I have. You know, there's so much, so Anya. much time. Anya, sir. Hi, Anya. Hi, Anya. Hi, Anya. We're, we're done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Justin, this was awesome. Yeah, I love thank you very much. I loved coming in laughing and ending laughing. You're, mm -hmm. um, as I as I learned on Friends to Know, and then of course in the Discord chat, you're killing it. Well, we, <laughs> we do what we can, and what we can we do. So some wisdom. I appreciate. It. I had fun. So yeah, we had a blast. Try not. Oh, or do not. <laughs> All right. Thanks everyone for watching and listening. And in the future, for those of you listening, because this is a multi-dimensional podcast. And be sure to tune in next week when we have Randy Moggins from Off Planet Media, Off Planet Radio. That should be interesting. Expect a three-hour <laughs> show then, for sure. So, All right, everyone, you take care. We'll see you next week.